Hello and welcome to Let Me Speak, the show that shares sports' biggest news, explain, uninterrupted, and maybe a little audacious. I'm Joe Braverman, and today's topics include... Ahead of Week 14 in the NFL, who's in the best and worst positions to close out the regular season? Plus, what's the timeline for LeBron James, Steph Curry, and James Harden to remain with their current teams? And... Is Coach Mike Krzyzewski right that there shouldn't be college basketball during a pandemic? It's episode 6 of Let Me Speak, and it starts right now. let's get right into the show we got a lot to cover especially here in the nfl heading into week 14 and looking at the schedule slate there are a ton of great games and in my eyes there are only four games that don't feature a playoff contender we've got houston at chicago dallas at cincinnati denver and carolina and atlanta at the chargers other than that it's a great slate of games Especially after what happened last week. Things are so tight right now, both in the AFC and the NFC. I mean, you've got the Patriots all the way down at 6-6 who are still contenders. And for this week, I really want to look at which teams after Week 13 heading into Week 14 are really in the best spots, I think, from where they originally were that I've talked about on previous episodes. And the first one I'm going to talk about are the L.A. Rams. Now, the Rams, a couple weeks ago, I said they were the third best team in the NFC West. Boy, did they prove me wrong. Their outing over the past couple of weeks, getting themselves to 8-4 and into the NFC West lead and taking advantage of that upset by the Giants over the Seahawks, great for them. I still think they're a little bit inconsistent to really be taken as heavy favorites, but I think they basically locked up their playoff spot, especially with the Cardinals taking a tumble and the Seahawks dropping their game. I think the Rams have positioned themselves in a great way, maybe even to win the NFC West, because I think if they win their next two games, they're going to win the division. And they are playing the Pats, and then they're playing the Jets. Those are two winnable games because then the next two, you have to play Seattle and Arizona. Those are two tough teams. And if the Rams can get any kind of momentum after what they've been doing the past couple of weeks, I think they can win the division if they win these two games. So that showdown in week 16 when they play the Seahawks is really going to be irrelevant considering what the Rams, where they're going to be. So If they beat the Pats on Thursday night, then they beat the Jets the next week. I think they lock up that division. Because Seattle, they're just really on a downward trend, you know, after that upset. You know, we were talking about Russell Wilson as the MVP. I mentioned he should be solidified in that spot on the very first episode. And now that team is just tumbling and tumbling and tumbling. And they're in the fifth seed right now. But the good thing is they do have the Jets that they can rebound with. But right now... The Rams are the team positioned best among those teams in the NFC West. Now, other teams we're talking about, here's a team that I barely even mentioned 
in past couple of weeks because I did not think they had a chance to even contend for playoff position, and that's the Minnesota Vikings. I mean, they are the true wild card for the wild card. I mean, who would have thought Minnesota would have started 1-5, and five, and here they are at 6-6, six and six, currently in the 7th spot. Now, credit is to the tumbling Cardinals, as I mentioned, but it's not going to get any easier. I still don't see the Vikings getting into that playoff spot. I know they're in the 7th spot right now, but they're playing Tampa. Then they host Chicago. They go to New Orleans, and they go to Detroit. They got to go three times on the road in their last four games. That is a tough stretch, especially when you have the two top teams in that South division in the Bucks and the Saints. I don't I don't know if the Vikings will hold on to that seventh spot, but I will give them credit. I will give Kirk Cousins and Dalvin Cook all that entire organization credit for literally being in the cellar. No one's talking about them to jumping up into playoff position. And really I give it to Kirk Cousins. He's a veteran. He's stepping up when he needs to. And also Dalvin Cook probably the second best running back in the league right behind Derrick Henry. I mean, he's first in rush touchdowns and yards per game, okay? He's the second overall running back in the league. If they're going to win, it's going to be because of Dalvin Cook. And one other note about Justin Jefferson, he should be the rookie of the year. He really should. Now, this would be different if Joe Burrow was still playing, but unfortunately he got hurt. So right now, to me, the favor is Justin Jefferson, He's fourth in the league in receiving yards. He needs to be in the conversation, nonetheless, at the top of that. He's my pick for rookie of the year. And I think that connection with him and Cousins, and don't forget Adam Thielen's there. He's still reigning in the touchdowns like there's no tomorrow. Again, I'll say it. I think the chances are slim, but the Vikings have made it more realistic than many people have thought. And then two other teams that I see in the top position right now are those two teams in the NFC East, the New York football giants and the Washington football team. I think their their upsets back in week 13 really put them head and shoulders. And I'm not talking head and shoulders. I'm talking like head and shoulders above like two seven-foot guys above the Cowboys and the Eagles right now. Those two are completely disorganized. But New York and Washington, those upsets have to give them so much confidence. I mean, the Giants beating the Seahawks and especially Washington beating Pittsburgh. Now, I did say Washington should still be the favorite. I think they are. I think that's going to continue on the trend because they're both riding strong defenses. But I think the big difference, as I said last week, was Alex Smith. He's got his legs back under him. He's a veteran. He's got the experience and I think he's the difference maker. But hey, both teams have tremendous defenses that can really carry them a long way. You got the Giants, who against a high-profiled offense in Seattle, only gave up 12 points and 111 rush yards in that game last week. Okay, they are fourth in the league in rushing yards per game allowed at just under 97. Okay, so the Giants are no slouch. I know they don't have Daniel Jones, and they have the resurrection of Colt McCoy at their quarterback, but I still don't think that's going to be enough for Washington, though, because they're fourth in yards allowed per game at 311, and they're third 
and pass yards allowed per game at just under 204. Okay, so they should still be the favorites for that NFC East just because of the consistency on defense. On that defensive end, you got Chase Young, the number two overall pick. But you only have a Giants team that is good at stopping the run. Okay, what what are they going to do when they get into the playoffs and they got to face Tom Brady or Jared Goff or Drew Brees or Aaron Rodgers or any of those guys? Can they stop the pass? We don't know. But I think... Both of those teams have positioned themselves fantastically to win the NFC East. Although for me, I'm still going to pick Washington to win that division. Now on the flip side, the worst position teams, these are teams who have really just struggled not only this week, but the past number of weeks. And I'm going to give my first worst position team to the Arizona Cardinals. I mean, I was super high on them early on. I thought Kyler Murray was looking phenomenal. I thought that offense was running like a locomotive. But the problem they have right now is their defense, okay? They've lost four out of their last five in a really tough stretch. But the thing is for Arizona, when they struggle on offense, you really start to notice their defensive problems, okay? They have a ton of defensive flaws. They only have 15 takeaways total for fumbles and interceptions. And they're in the bottom half, in that bottom 16, of almost every defensive category. Okay, that's really the big thing for Arizona, is just they have too many holes on their defense, and they need Kyler Murray to continue to be playing at the highest level. That connection with him, DeAndre Hopkins, Larry Fitzgerald, all of those guys. If that does not continue at the highest level, you're going to see the problems this defense has. Okay, especially with Kyler Murray and the inexperience he has. Okay, that could come to really bite him in the butt. Because this is the first time in his career he's playing meaningful games at this level of it. Okay, because looking at the 4 out of 5 stretch that I just mentioned, they lost to Miami 34-31. They beat Buffalo 32-30. They lost to Seattle 28-21. They lost to New England 20-17, and they lost to the Rams 38-28, okay? Do you know what the reminder is about that when you list all those games? Is they've given up over 20 points. They gave up 20 to a weak, I would say weak Patriots offense, but yet their offense could only put up 17. And again, they scored 30 against Miami, Buffalo, and they nearly got 30 against the Rams if they don't score at least 20 points they don't win because their defense has flaws they have a ton of flaws and I don't know if Arizona is going to go on the right track but I think they do have a friendly schedule they are playing the Giants this week then they host the Eagles they host the 49ers then they travel to the Rams I think they just barely make it I think they're going to make that very last spot maybe at nine and seven I think I talked about I was high on the Vikings early on, but I think Arizona, I think they're gonna they're gonna step up and they're gonna get that that seventh playoff spot back. I really do think so. But Kyler Murray, it could be an experience. You never know. You never know with this team. The other team I want to talk about who's in a worse position right now are the Las Vegas Raiders. Now, I know what you're thinking. They beat the Jets. So why are they worse positioned? 
I'll tell you why. Because they just barely beat the Jets. Okay? I know everyone's talking about the Jets' mistake. But these are the Raiders who are contending for the playoffs right now. They're on the very last spot outside of the playoffs. And they're one game back of the Colts and the Dolphins. Now, for the Raiders, I think they can still make it. I think they can still make it. Because just like Kyler Murray has that inexperience... You have Tua Tagovailoa. I think he's got a little bit of an experience as well. Plus, the Dolphins are playing a really tough stretch of games, including facing Kansas City. I think the Raiders can still make that jump. Now, I think if they don't win three of their next four, I think they're done. I, I really do think that they're done. But the Raiders, I had confidence in them. But after just barely beating the Jets, the confidence not quite there not quite there so the Raiders will have to see what they do against the other New York team when they play the Giants because you know the Giants are much tougher opponents than the Jets but I'm sure John Gruden he's a veteran coach he's gonna get in that locker room whip his guys into shape saying I tell you what man what we did against that New York team just barely beating them you can't do that to the Giants because the Giants are better Sorry, that was a terrible John Gruden, kind of ripping off Frank Caliendo there. <laughs> uh, but moving on from the Raiders, one other team I want to talk about in a worse position. And again, this is kind of a head-scratcher if you're listening, because it's the Baltimore Ravens. Now, they just beat the Cowboys this past Tuesday. So if they won, they're 7-5. and five. Why are they in a worse position? I'll tell you why. Because I still don't think that offense is where it should be. I- I'm going to sound like a broken record, because I feel like every time... I'm talking about the Ravens and talking about their struggles. But they did beat Dallas 34-17. It looked convincing. But Lamar Jackson only had 107 pass yards. He only had 107. Okay, you cannot win with numbers like that. You just can't. You absolutely can't. And not only the performance in the passing game put them in a worse spot, but I think just Cleveland winning in general last week against Tennessee to get themselves to that number five spot really just hurt the Ravens because now they're really going to have to fight for it this week in that Monday night football game in Cleveland. But again, I'll say it. I don't trust Lamar Jackson's arm as much as I do the rest of his offense because if you don't have a passing game, you don't have any versatility. Now, they got some tremendous runners in Jackson himself, but you have J.K. Dobbins, Mark Ingram, and Gus Edwards. But I just don't think it's enough. I really don't think it's enough. So I'm not going to spend too much time on the Ravens because you can listen to all my other episodes in the past where I talk about how I don't have confidence in the Ravens and how I don't think they'll make the playoffs. But I think they're in the worst. They're in one of the worst positions right now in the league because they are 7-5 and and they've got a tough stretch coming up. And I'm really going to pay attention to these last four weeks of the season, especially here in week 14. With a bunch of high-profile matchups, there could be a ton of shuffling in those playoff standings. Now then, to move on to our next segment, there are a couple superstars in the NBA who have some looming questions about their futures, and we'll all break them down one by one, starting by 
talking about the beard of the century, basically, James Harden. Now, we have mentioned over and over the past couple of episodes how he has been unhappy in Houston, looking to move, looking for a trade. And you've heard me very loudly voice my opinion about how James Harden's style of play does not coincide to championship victories. And I will once again reiterate that, even after the news broke, that James Harden has said he is open to a trade to the Philadelphia 76ers or other contenders. Now, the overall point that I'm getting with every single topic, every single week that comes up with James Harden, is that if he does not make a sacrifice to his game, he will not win it all. Now, there are not really a ton of teams out there, not a lot of contenders who would be willing to sacrifice whatever kind of talent they have. Because the Rockets, the Houston Rockets asking price is basically a young superstar and a variety of draft picks, essentially. Do you really want to give that up this soon? So really, I agree with the Rockets and the fact that they have no timetable, no rush to trade the beard. They don't. Because, honestly, I can't think of any teams that would want a player like James Harden if he did not say, I'm going to sacrifice whatever kind of game I have. Because, remember, it's isolation, dribble-dribble, step-back three, or a layup. Or a kick-out to a three-point shooter. Okay, I, I don't really see any other teams out there. Philadelphia, you have to give up. Ben Simmons, because you're not going to give up Joel Embiid. He's he's been your main focal point for years and years. And you have this new, the new head coach in Doc Rivers. Would he be willing to tell James Harden, "Hey, James, stop dribbling and pass the ball"? Because I don't see it. I just don't see it. I don't see the 76ers. I don't see the Brooklyn Nets. I don't see the Dallas Mavericks. I don't see any other contender that would say, I want to trade for James Harden. I really don't. But, you know, that's up to the to the Rockets. What what are they going to do? And more importantly, I'm going to look around the league and see which team would want to bring on James Harden to their squad. And in their mind say, this is how he gets to the next level. But enough about the headache in James Harden. Let's get to a guy we've known to be a superstar for nearly 20 years, and that's LeBron James. Now, the big story for the King is that he just signed a two-year, $85 million extension. Now, when you do the math in the timeline of this contract, he's going to be 38 at the end of the contract, which is going to be after the 2022-23 season. Now, an interesting note is that his son LeBron James Jr. or Bronny as most people know will graduate high school in 2023. Now this gives LeBron a ton of flexibility. He can make that decision of do I want to come back and play some more or do I focus on my kid's future. That's going to be the big thing for LeBron James because we know people say that he'll run out of gas but Did you not see what he did in the NBA Finals? He could go until he's 40. I don't think 38 is going to be that benchmark for him. But I think LeBron, no matter how long it is, I think he stays with the Lakers. I don't see him bouncing around from team to team. I think no matter how much longer he has left, he's going to 
stay with the Lakers, whether that's past 2023 or not, we'll never know. Now, the one other superstar whose future is a little bit in question right now is Steph Curry. Now, Steph Curry, right now, he's 32. Okay, he's going into year 11 of his career. And he has said publicly that he wants to retire as a member of the Golden State Warriors. Now, for me, I think he is the most likely to stay with his original team. And the whole purpose of the Teague, I'll just throw it out there right now. I think Steph Curry stays with his team the longest. I think LeBron will be second. James Harden will be third. Harden will be less than a year. And LeBron, he's going to be with the Lakers no matter how long. But I think Steph Curry still has a couple of good years in him. Now, it really depends on the injury situation. If he's had a ton of ankle, foot, and knee injuries in his career, do they take a toll? But I honestly don't see Steph Curry going anywhere else. Nowhere else. Because, I mean, he's won three titles with this team. Okay, the question is going to become in this transitional year, in these transitional years, does he stick around and does he commit? It definitely sounds like he does commit, but (laughs) I I hate to bring it up because Paul George did the exact same thing. He said he wants to retire as a member of the Thunder. He wants to retire as a member of of the Clippers. I mean, you can't take these guys' word, but Steph Curry's word, I do take. And I ultimately believe him. Because Golden State would not be where they are without Steph Curry. Steph Curry is a unanimous Hall of Famer. He revolutionized the game with his three-point shot making. Okay? Would the Warriors really want to give up a cornerstone right that, like that? Steph Curry is the identity of the Golden State Warriors. You ask anyone who doesn't follow basketball or the NBA... They'll tell you one of the names that comes to mind is Steph Curry because he's done what LeBron James has done, and that is create headlines in the most amazing ways. So why would he leave Golden State is my question. I mean, does he go back to Charlotte to end his career? Does he go back home? I don't see it. I I do not see it. But the ultimate headline in this segment Steph Curry will stay with his original team the longest, okay? The two-time MVP, the three-time champ, the three-point shooting machine will remain in the Bay Area. And you know, with only a few short weeks left until the regular season gets underway, it's going to be a whole lot of fun to see what happens with these superstars, whether they stay or whether they go. our next topic and for those of you who might not be paying attention we got some college basketball going on and I'll be completely honest before I get into it I haven't followed college basketball in depth as much as I have in the past because it's just so wide open and that really has to attribute to the one and done is that so many players are coming and going from all these universities that there's a ton there's a ton of parity out there right now you never have a dynasty team I mean even like teams like Kentucky North Carolina or even the team I'm about to talk about Duke 
you can say, oh, they're definitely going to be the national champions. They're the national favorite. You can't say that because it's so wide open. But let's just get into the reason why I bring up college basketball, and that is Duke and head coach Mike Krzyzewski. Now, Coach Krzyzewski, he just recently brought up the idea after his loss to Illinois. He's starting to question why are we playing an NCAA Division I college basketball season in the middle of a pandemic. And honestly, it could go either way. He's also He also said that his comments could be made also the timing of it after his loss. Remember, Duke is 2-2, two and two, and it could sound like an excuse. It could. And honestly, that's kind of where I'm leaning onto this. But at the same time, you could make the case for Coach K. I mean, there have already been 20 games in Division One that have been canceled or postponed so far. So it really could go either way. He's talking about the mental health and the stability of these players. I think I think the NCAA, you know, I do agree with them in that maybe they should have had a better plan or a better strategy at least. Um, but I'm not really bought onto what Coach K is saying. Now it's it's very it's very close. It's like a fifty five forty five kind of thing. But the fifty five right now is to me thinking that He's trying to justify why Duke isn't the Duke that it's been for so many years. And that's because they're 2-2. Two and two, And not many people are saying those are the contenders right there. Because remember, I don't know if you've seen it in the past, but Cameron Indoor at Duke University is a madhouse. If you don't think that's an advantage for the Blue Devils, that you're insane. You're insane for thinking that. Because if it were me, if I had to go play in Duke, I couldn't keep focus. I just couldn't. Because that place gets so rowdy and you understand why it's been an advantage for Duke for so many years. But that's the side I'm saying at with the 55 in that this is an excuse. Now the 45 in that Coach K has a point. I'll give him credit for this. He's seen multiple games canceled and postponed we've seen so many reschedulings and I'm with him and with the NCAA saying that there is no development for a plan not really a backup plan because really the whole idea is that yes there are a ton of players who are at risk or in danger and that this is a pandemic and we're in uh, the second and probably worst surge here in the United States but at the same time, you would have to think that the NCAA is more prepared for this, and it just sounds like that they're not. Like, they have all these protocols of getting tested, not having fans, blah, 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 all of that. But for Coach K, you know, this is just him making an excuse. It's just for him making an excuse. Now, I fully believe in the health and well-being of players and coaches staff, all of that. I fully believe that. But at the same time, you have college football who's still playing. They're still going after it. You have the NBA who's going to get started. You have the NFL still going through it. You had every, almost every sport has played in this pandemic. I mean, the story could be different if 
Adam Silver or Gary Bettman comes and says, yes, we're not going to play until the second surge is toned down and we get control of it. That could be completely different. But other sports are getting through this. So Coach K, you just got to man up and get through this as well. You have to think about the strategies you can do as well. But I mean, there's still a ton of time for this college basketball season to be played out. Will we see more cancellations or postponements or even a pause of the NCAA season? Only time will tell. I'm going to tell you a story. So now it is once again time to head to Foxborough, head to Fenway, take a trip to the Garden, and get local. It's time for our Let's Get Local segment of the week. And this week we got a nice little Super Bowl 53 rematch that just finished up between the Rams and Pats. And the Red Sox, we got some free agency questions about them. So let's just dive right into it. Now, in talking about this rematch from Super Bowl 53, I didn't give the Pats a lot of faith in picking up the win. I'd probably give it about a 20-25% chance because, I mean, you have people who might be riding high on the 45 nothing win over the Chargers saying, oh, the special teams played great, and Cam Newton was able to get us through the game. No, I, I did not have any faith. And a lot of people were saying, oh, they got a chance for the playoffs. They got a chance for the playoffs. I I had no shot. They, I knew no matter what, even if they won this game against the Rams, that they would not get into the playoffs. Absolutely not. The AFC is just too loaded. But to talk about the actual game, it goes both ways. I think the Rams played absolutely incredible. I think... They came out in that first drive and they ran the ball down the Pats' throats, and it only took it took like less than five minutes for them to put up a touchdown, and you could tell that's where the game was going to go after that drive. But to put up three points to barely get two hundred yards of total offense, I would call this the second worst performance of the year behind their game against San Francisco. I, I really think that's that's where it should be. And honestly, for the future, A, they will not get into the playoffs. And B, Cam Newton is just not the quarterback that he once was. I mean, what, what can I say? He can run the ball still effectively. He just can't throw it. I mean, 113 passing yards, That you cannot get away with that if you're a quarterback. Now, you could do it if you're Jared Goff. Because last night he put up 132 yards, but still the rushing attack was crazy. They almost had 200 yards in that, so that is why sometimes it's okay. But to have less than that, to have 113 like Cam Newton had, it was it was very poor, very very poor. And he's just he's not going to be the quarterback. I'll tell you next year for for New England. I'll tell you that they're either going to move on to Jared Stidham or they're going to. Looking to free agency for another quarterback. 
but I just don't see Cam Newton being an effective quarterback anymore. He's he's not the MVP that he was five years ago, and I don't know whether that's with old age or the shoulder surgeries that he's had. I just I don't see it. I don't see Cam Newton getting to that elite level again. But on the other side, I will give credit to the Rams for playing tremendous offense and fantastic defense the way they were able to shut this team down. But New England's offense just is not the same. They they need to bolster up with more weapons, and that's a quarterback change, and you got to get a couple more wide receivers out there. Because I've said it before, they just don't have the wide receiver threat like a number one or a number two, like a Rob Gronkowski or uh, Randy Moss or any anything like that. They don't have that. They don't have that playmaker. Because, I mean, Nikhil Harry, Jacoby Myers, Demir Bird, they're all pretty much the same. They're all pretty much the same. So that is where you have to reload. And not only that, for next season... You're going to get all these opt-out back, opt-out players back. You have Patrick Chung, Dante Hightower, James Devlin, all of these guys. They're going to come back in 2021. But heading into the game, I did not think the Pats had a chance to win, a chance to make the playoffs, and those were just amplified with the poor performance that this team gave in Los Angeles. Now, I haven't talked about the Red Sox for quite a bit of time. I think it was around the first couple episodes, and then it's kind of been quiet. It's just been a really quiet offseason for the MLB. But you got to believe, heading into the middle of December, this is normally when the winter meetings come to an end. So this is where you might see the news and the free agent signings start to come up a little bit more with all the whole high-profile names that are out there. And for the Red Sox themselves, they have two priorities that should be their main focus. Should be pitching and retaining Jackie Bradley Jr. Okay, and I'll start with the pitching because it has been the problem for the Red Sox for the past few seasons now. Okay, you were able to get away with it in 18 when you had a stacked rotation in Sale and Price and Porcello and Rodriguez, you had a lot of big arms out there. And in the bullpen, too. Don't forget that. You had Kimbrell. You had Joe Kelly. You had Brazier. And most of those names are gone right now. But I think the rotation is going to get better. Because you're going to get a healthy Chris Sale and a healthy Eduardo Rodriguez. And then, obviously, you have Nate Avaldi, And then, really, the, the fourth or fifth spot could really be it could be up in the air right now. It could go to Tanner Houck, who looked really good uh, in the 2020 season. You also have Jay Groom, who made a start or two. But I think the team really needs to get another another arm in the rotation. They need a fourth or a fifth starter. And we've been hearing reports about two former Cleveland Indians, Trevor Bauer, who was just recently with the Reds, but did start his career with the Indians. And Corey Kluber, who only made one start with the Texas Rangers this past year. And I like those two, but I just think Trevor Bauer might be a little too pricey for their for their being. Because you have to remember, if they don't get Jackie Bradley Jr., they're going to have to spend that money on another outfielder. And there are a lot of good outfielders that out there. 
which we'll talk about in a little bit. But on to pitching. With the pitching, Trevor Bauer, he's a great fit. And we've seen reports about him wanting to come to the Red Sox. But would they pay him the price? Okay, so I, I really think it's just, it, it's too, it might be too pricey. It might be too pricey to go get Trevor Bauer. Now, Corey Kluber, on the other hand, he could come with a discount. Because remember, he only made one start. He only made one start with Texas before he got hurt. And then he's been hurt the last two seasons. So that's what you have to think about is would Corey Kluber come to the Red Sox on a discount? Because I think the Red Sox need to have some flexibility. They they really should have some flexibility depending on what happens in the outfield situation. But Trevor Bauer, right now he would be your top priority. He would be. But he just might be commanding too much money. He might be going after too much money. And do you spend that depending on what happens elsewhere? But hey, if either of those two don't work out, maybe a little wild card could be Jake Odorizzi from the Minnesota Twins. That could be a little something right there for the starting rotation. Now, the starters also need some help, but the bullpen needs help too. All right, the bullpen needs a couple of extra arms because you can't get through on a bullpen when you have guys like Matt Barnes, Ryan Brazier, Colton Brewer, Austin Bryce, Hernandez. Like they're they're not proven pitchers yet, right? Marcus Walden, Josh Taylor, they're not there yet. You need an extra arm, and I've been hearing Keone Kaley or Tommy Canley. I think those are two great right there. They're young. They're proven talents, and I think they could really help out in the bullpen. And I think also you have a the opportunity for flexibility. If you're going to lock in with Matt Barnes being the closer of this team, if you get one of those two, you could put them in the setup role. And then if that doesn't work and Barnes is struggling, you just flip-flop. You get Barnes in the setup, and you get whichever one of those two in the closer role. But I like Keela. And I like Canley as possible bullpen options. Now, the other topic, Jackie Bradley Jr. That should be the number one priority. Now, I think that's option number one for the Red Sox. Option number two, I think you got to go all out for George Springer if you can't get Bradley back. Because when you look at the two, when you compare the two, Jackie Bradley is an outstanding outfielder. It's a shame he has not won a gold glove yet, but it's... You have Bradley's elite defense, but terrible, terrible batting, batting average versus sort of above average defense and much stronger plate discipline and batting average from George Springer. But I think for Jackie Bradley, is he going to command such a big contract possibly like Springer? Probably no. He's probably going to get paid less. And I think with Bradley, the way he he works and the type of guy he is, he might be willing to take a discount to return to the Red Sox. Okay, because he has been the star center fielder for years now for this team. But he's just proven he can't do it with with that bat. I say it's a bigger risk to lose him for nothing than to gain him. I think that's the bigger risk. So I think you have to bring Bradley back and then... If that doesn't work, go
go for George Springer, depending on what kind of money he's getting. And then maybe another free agency you could do, get an extra outfielder. Because I think you have guys out there like maybe Kyle Schwarber or Yasiel Puig. They could sort of insert themselves into the right field spot or possibly a DH. Because if you get Kyle Schwarber, you got two DHs in J.D. Martinez and Kyle Schwarber. But I think you also have to have confidence in Alex Verdugo, Bobby Dahlbeck, and Christian Arroyo. Because they those three performed well in the shortened season. And I think you're more than willing to take that gamble. You really are for this team. Because they're trying to get back to the postseason. Okay, They went from World Series to above 500 and missing the playoffs and then at the cellar. Okay, So they need to get back to the postseason chase. And, you know, with the new year turning, it's only a matter of time before we start to see some moves in the MLB offseason. Now it is once again time to take a look back and find out what were people thinking with our head-scratcher LOL moment of the week. And once again, this one is a bit of a head-scratcher more than an LOL. It's it's a story that really makes you wonder, what the heck? So let's just cut to the chase. This week's head-scratcher moment of the week goes to... Floyd Mayweather. Okay, Hard to believe we got two boxing stories as our head scratchers in back-to-back weeks. That's very surprising. But if you have missed it, the announcement came over the past week that Floyd Money Mayweather Jr., one of the greatest boxers of all time, the undefeated Money, is going to have an exhibition against YouTuber Logan Paul in February of 2021. Are you kidding me? Like, are you actually serious? You're talking about one of the greatest boxers to ever step in a ring, and he's going to face a YouTuber in an exhibition? That's That's just a shame. And everyone knows that Floyd would not take this if there wasn't a large amount of money involved in this. These two are going for the bucks. They're... They're going for it. Why else would they have this fight? They wouldn't have this just for the heck of it. They would not. Absolutely not. Now, I think for this is more on Floyd Mayweather than Logan Paul. Because Logan Paul, he's a YouTuber. We saw his brother Jake knock out Nate Robinson. But this is on Floyd because I think with every fight that Mayweather is having, he's tarnishing his legacy. He really is. Because remember, he retired in the early 2010s. And then he's said that he's just done it all. But he still comes back. I mean, the past couple of fights that he's had, it's just, it's not lived up to it. Okay? He's 50-0, and 0, but these past fights, like the ones against Manny Pacquiao and Conor McGregor, I know he's won, but they just haven't been great fights. So he's really just tarnishing his legacy with every single fight he's getting. And I know this is an exhibition, but it's still, it's just, it just doesn't feel right. He's not doing this 
to enhance his legacy. And it's it's really a shame because he probably should have stayed retired in the early 2010s. But he saw he's he's a he's a businessman. He sees the cash grab, and he goes after him. But I mean, I know for sure I'm not going to watch this. And there's two things that people who do want to watch this are going to watch it for. They're going to watch to see Logan Paul get the snot beat out of him. Because remember all the controversy he's been making over the past few years. And we won't get into that as the YouTuber that he is. That's the first reason people will watch. The second reason people will watch is for that Snoop Dio double jizzle. Did you hear Snoop Dogg on the commentary of the fight between Nate Robinson and Jake Paul? He, he was starting to sing hymns near the end when Nate Robinson was hitting the mat. And <laughs> he had one line when they were taking care of Nate Robinson. And he was saying, there's two things you don't do. You don't play boxing and you don't mess with this pimp. I mean, come on. If Snoop Dogg is, you know, I'm a, I'm a play-by-play announcer at heart. So you always got to have a great color commentator, and Snoop is that. He is that perfect color commentator that you want. He's fun, and he's got insightful, and I mean it, insightful commentary. Like, you listen to all the analysts there, including Sugar Ray, and they're completely agreeing with Snoop Dogg. So he knows what he's talking about. So that those are the two reasons that people are going to watch this weak fight in February 21 is for Logan Paul to get beat up and for Snoop Dogg to do commentary. But until then, Floyd Money Mayweather Jr., you may be undefeated in the boxing ring, but you are no longer undefeated in being our head scratcher. LOL, moment of the week. that will wrap up another edition of let me speak thank you very much for watching and for listening and remember if you've got something you got to get off your chest just let the whole world know shut up and let me speak